Welcome to the teaching ministry of Pastor Marcus and Melina De La Cruz. We hope that you'll be blessed by today's message. I'm so grateful and so thankful for the divine connections. Um, a connection is divine. It's not, um, not something that we think up. It's a, a place that God puts us in. The Bible says God sets us in the place where we ought to be, where it pleases him. Amen. And so I'm just thankful for all of you. You guys are a blessing to us. And we, Pastor and I, appreciate you and the divine connection because we don't take it lightly. Amen. And um, as I was uh, in prayer the other day, the Lord said this to me. I wrote it down in my journal. I took a picture of it because I didn't want to bring my journal. It has my personal stuff in there. But um, the Lord said, the church family is so important to me to God. That's what he was saying. Because it's so important to people. Um, It's important to God because the Bible says that we are his body. He's the head. And as members, we make up his body. And I just thought that was interesting. He said, the church family is so important to me. It's so important to God. He puts a value on the church family. You know, the Bible says that God sets us in families. He sets the solitary in a family. Um, He sets us where he thinks it's best for us to be. Amen. Um, Because there are people that need you in that place. First of all, God needs you. The church needs you in that place. But people there... He doesn't just set random people. He sets us here. So when you see one another, uh, be thankful for them uh, because they are your brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's what the Bible talks about. You know, when you hear people say brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, you're like, ah, that that sounds a little weird. But that's what we are to one another. We are brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I can tell you, I have two sisters. There's no, you know, besides God and my husband, I love my family. I know you love your family too. And if you have siblings, mother, father, you love them too. And they have a very special place in your heart, Um, unlike others. And it's the same way in the body of Christ. When we come to church, to a place, there is um, a special connection there. And we don't want to ever take anybody for granted. And so I wrote this down. This is not even my message. I, I have, it's not even my message, but uh, the church family, um, it's important that we watch over one another. Um, it's important that we pray for one another. Important that when you're going through your day or if you think of somebody, you know, and then have you ever thought of someone and then like the next day or the next week or even that day you run into them? And you're like, oh, that's so weird. I was just thinking about you, right? And you, maybe you haven't thought about them in a while. Like Miss Loretta, I was just thinking about you. I was going through, we were, I was looking through photos for our anniversary. And I'm like, oh, there's Miss Loretta. And I thought, I wonder how she's doing. And then all of a sudden, Pastor said, Miss Loretta's here. <laughs> so it's so good to see you, Miss Loretta. We love you so very much. There's a history with Miss Loretta. Amen. But um, it's important to encourage one another to be there for one another. Um, 
And uh, God said this to me. He said, express their importance to me. You're very important to God. You're very important. Each one is so important. And so don't ever take your place lightly. Amen. Um, you're important to church. You're important to each other. And, um, you know, it's even it's important to give to one another. God puts it on your heart, you know, to bless someone. Be quick to do it. God puts it on your heart to call someone. Be quick to do it. God puts it on your heart to text someone. Be quick to do it. You may say, you know, this has happened to me before. I don't even know what I would say. I don't even know what to text. But when you start making movement, the Holy Spirit moves in. See, that's, that's what faith does. It takes a step when you don't even know what to do. But, at, you know, that's what Moses did. He took a step. There was the Red Sea in front of him. How are we going to get across this? And the Lord said, go through it. When they took a step, or did they use their rod? I can't remember. One of those. But they did something in faith. The, the waters parted. If they would have just stood there and thought, how am I going to do this? What am I going to do? Then nothing would have ever happened. You know, and so it's so important um, that we are quick to, if, if you, someone's on your heart, be quick to prompt to do it. Yeah. Don't go here. Well, I haven't seen them in a while. Or I don't know what to say. Or what will I say? Or you want me to give that? that? I don't know. See, because when you go into the mental arena, your mind will talk you out of it. Your mind will talk you out of obeying God, always. Whether it's giving, reaching out to someone, responding in a service. You know, the Lord tells you to run around the building. You're like, what? You, know? <laughs> you start thinking about it, you'll talk yourself out of it. The enemy will talk you out of it. But see, there's a blessing. It's not about what, what you're doing. Is really, It's not for yourself. It's always for for somebody else, but your obedience brings the blessing. Yeah. It always brings the blessing. So what came to me today when I was in prayer is be quick to do it. Stop reasoning in your mind. Stop reasoning. Stop trying to figure out how things are going to happen. You get a prompt in your spirit, I need to give this. I need to do this. I need to call this person. I need to whatever. I need to cut this off. I don't know. could be something to add to your life. could be something to take away from your life. Stop reasoning in your mind because it's going to cost you. And it could cost somebody else. But you know what? God is so good. He'll go to someone else and use them to bless that person or to obey. And they'll get the blessing. But I'm like, no, Lord, I'm going to be quick to obey. And I want the blessing. Amen? So that's just a little intro to value each other. You know, to love on one another because um, God put us together for a reason. And I'll tell you one reason he put us together. Let me tell you this. This area we live in, I don't care if it's Visalia, Strathmore, Lindsay, whatever. God put us here to turn this valley into the Garden of Eden. I mean, I, I was talking to someone the other day and go, oh, you live in Porterville? Actually, they were working here in Porterville, but you live in Porterville? Uh, you know, Porterville's, I'm like, mm, I'm not going to take that. Because God put us here, God put us here to create a Garden of Eden. Yes. Everywhere God puts you, it's to bring his blessing. Amen. 
Because his kingdom is within you. You are not of this world. Once you become born again, his kingdom is inside of you. And wherever you walk, you take his kingdom with you. Wherever you walk, you take his dominion with you. You have jurisdiction in that area. And when Pastor Marcus and I drive around, we're like, we know why we're here. We know why God put us here. It's, there has to be a mentality change. There has to be a mentality change. If you look at a big house and you say, that's so big. I don't know. I don't need that. I could never live in something like that. Then you never will. But see, poor people think like, rich people don't think like that. They're like, oh, I'll buy one of those. I don't live on top. Maybe I'll buy another one over at the beach. Yeah. But what is that? It's their mentality is not, uh, it's not poverty. It's not a less than. Yeah. And that's people that don't even know God. Yeah. You know, but God's kingdom is within us. Right. And the reason, one of the reasons we're here is to bring his kingdom here. Prosperity, health, restoration, restoration to marriages, families. That's why we're here. Uh, to bring the, the level of thinking higher, amen? To think like God thinks, um, amen? Okay, let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, amen. Praise the Lord. Ephesians four twenty four. We're going to talk about the words of our mouth tonight. Your words are creating your future. Your words um, are, are creating building your life. Did you hear me? Your words are building your life. It's not your education. It's not how much money you have. It's not who you're married to, who you're not married to. It's not how many children you have. It's not what you can do in life. It's your words that are creating your life. And your words can be either positive or negative, right? Amen. We know that. Ephesians 4.24 says this. Put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. When you become a believer, we, when I, become, when I became a born-again Christian, my spirit is new. My spirit becomes alive to God. But I have to put on the new man in the way I think, in the way I walk, in the way I talk. It's my job. It's your job to put on the new man. And the new man requires a new way of thinking. And to do that, we take our Bibles. (laughs) And the Bible talks about in Romans 12, 1 and 2, we renew our minds. What does that mean? We're taking the word and we're putting it in our hearts. We're reading it. We're applying it to our old thinking. We're putting on the new man. You have to know who you are in Christ. Amen? Go back and read the epistles. uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians. Those are letters written by Paul to the church. Those are letters that tell us who we are in Christ. What we ought to put on and what we ought to put off. Amen? And so um, I mentioned this a little bit last week. But when was the last time you went through one day without hearing (laughs) negative talk? either from yourself or someone else, without hearing complaining, maybe negative self-talk to yourself, grumbling, fault-finding, either from you or someone else. Have you ever gone through one day? (laughs) Unless you stayed home by yourself 
and you didn't talk and you turn on the TV, you probably have not gone through a day without hearing someone complain, fault find, accuse, maybe even yourself, self-doubt, talking like, oh my gosh, can I do this? I don't know, right? Let's turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Remember, our words are building our life. Either the good life or the bad life. Philippians 2.14 in the Amplified. You can look at the screen if you want as I read it. If you don't have it, do all things, say all things, without grumbling and fault-finding and complaining against God and questioning and doubting among yourselves, that you may show yourselves to be blameless and guileless, innocent and uncontaminated. Say uncontaminated uncontaminated. I think it's the next screen. If you can well, switch over. There we go. Uncontaminated. Where is it? There it is. Children of God without blemish. Um, do you know what that, that word contaminated? When you think of something that's contaminated, it's polluted. You don't want to partake of that. Well, when we are grumbling or fault-finding, complaining, um, we can become contaminated. Amen? Now, the Lord will tell us what to do and what not to do. Now, let's look at Ephesians 4, verse 29. Remember, we're talking about building our lives, building our future, building our families, and we're talking about the words of our mouth. Here in Philippians 2, it says, to do all things without grumbling. That means, all things means when you're driving, when you're in line, when it's a really long line, when your spouse gets in the car for church and the other one's in the house and you're waiting for your spouse, waiting on the kids after church, when you decide, where are we going to go to lunch? You know, Um, who's going to take care of the kids? Do all things without grumbling, fault finding and complaining. Amen. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good, this is in the King James, to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. He's saying, don't let corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but only that which is good. In other words, our communication should be good, so that it will edify. That word edify comes from a Greek word. I'm not going to try and, it's O-I-K-O-D-O-M-E, but it means architecture. It means a building up of. Your words will edify. They will build something in your life. They create. I said your words create. Yes, amen. You know, know, if you're a teacher, old school, you've heard of, you know, you hear stories. You might even see it. Where parents are like, oh, they're they're so dumb. They're so stupid. They've been bad. They're bad. They're bad kids. What are they doing? They're, they're creating a future for that child. When I was a teacher, I'd say, they're not bad. They just did not make a good decision. They're not bad. They're not bad. But you see their lives become what the parent is saying. Even when you're trying to turn it, if the parents keep speaking like that, then they will follow that pattern, right? So your words, it says here, they should be edifying. They should build up. Now, the Amplified says this. 
Thank you, Giselle. She is on top of it. Let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever, say ever, ever. come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others, as is fitting to the need and the occasion, that it may be a blessing and give grace, God's favor, to those who hear it. Uh, that word says, let no foul or polluting language. There are, there's a language that pollutes. You know what that word pollute means? Poison. Your words can edify and build up, encourage people, or they can poison. Your words can build up, encourage, uh, create your future, or it can poison your future. Your words can poison your family if they're the wrong words. I said if they're the wrong words. There are words that contaminate. They pollute. And we read early, earlier where it talks about grumbling, fault-finding, and complaining. Those are polluting words. They will contaminate your life. Look at the Israelites. They, they had a promise to go into the promised land. It was a great place, the Bible says, flowing with milk and honey. The grapes were so big, they had to, was it the grapes? They had to carry them. Two men on a pole. Can you imagine a grape being that big? That's got to be as big as a basketball. I mean, I'm just thinking, can you imagine a grape as big as a basketball? I mean, this was an abundant land that God had for them. But they continued to complain. They, they were fault finders. They complained about, against God. Why did you bring us out here? Did you bring us out here to die? We were better as slaves. Listen, they may have come out of Egypt, but they took that brought that Egypt, yes. Egyptian mentality with yes. them. They brought that slave mentality with them. When the Bible says put on the new man, yes. leave the old man behind. You gotta, when you come out of darkness, when you come out of the kingdom of hell, you got to put on the new man. you got to put on a new way of thinking, a new way of talking. Amen? Um, and so we want to make sure we do that. Because they all had to die out before, they could, before the next generation can go in. Why? Because they complained. Simple. They just complained. Is it really that bad? It is. It's a bad habit that we have to break. Amen? Um, yeah, because those words are contaminating. They, they're, they cause poison. Um, if you're complaining about your spouse, you're poisoning that relationship. You're poisoning it. If you're complaining against your spouse. Your spouse, when you are married, is God's plan for your life. Amen. You ought to look at them, look at Pastor Mark and say, you're God's plan for my life. Amen. He's God's plan for my life, and I'm his, God's plan for his life. Amen? Amen. So I'm not going to complain against the plan of God. I'm not complaining against it. Otherwise, I'm complaining against God. This church is God's plan for my life. I'm not going to complain against it. Otherwise, I'm complaining against where God put me. That's right. Yeah. You know, and I have too many things I believe in God for. <laughs> Just like you have things you're believing God for. But in, in the area of complaint, when there's complaining, there's no faith. You can't have complaining and faith going on at the same time. It's either one or the other. You've got to choose who, what kind of life am I going to build? Am I going to stay? They stayed in that wilderness 40 years wasted it. God provided for them because he's so good, but they couldn't take what belonged to them because of their complaining. 
Um, so we can purify, just as you can contaminate your life, you can purify your life with the right words. You're taking God's word, you're putting it in your mouth, and your eye, in, in front of your eyes, in your heart. Um, our speech should edify others. It should build them up. The, we just read there, it should be good and beneficial to the progress of others. Amen. Um, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Are you in Ephesians already? Let's look at that in the message. Ephesians 4.29 in the message. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word is a gift. Say each word word is a gift. Let's make sure it's a good gift. (laughs) Amen. Let's make sure it's a good gift. Um, You know, even, you know, you'll hear people say, you know, they can cuss say, you know, wrong words, cursing, and they think, well, you know, what's so bad about that? You know, my, my family won't let me watch these bad movies. They won't let me watch these bad movies, you know. But, you know, swearing is just part of life. Um, my friends use, use those words all the time. Um, but the Bible doesn't say that. Uh, the Bible says, watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word is a gift. The next verse says, don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. Why? Because he sees you can either build or tear down your life with the words of your mouth. Yeah, we don't want to do that. Um, so, but this doesn't just cover, you know, obviously it talks about the wrong words, the bad words. Um, but we don't want to tear others down either, right? Um, and we don't want to tear ourselves down. And guess who hears everything that comes out of your mouth first? You do. You do. That's why when you read your Bible, it's good to read it out loud. Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So who's the first person to hear it when you're reading? You, you are. So you can build your faith by reading his word out loud to yourself. Amen. Just like when you come to church and you hear pastor minister, your faith is being built. You can read your Bible and build your faith by reading it out loud. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing, right? And then, of course, we know God hears our words and other people hear our words. But we know we're the first person who hears what we say. Are the words we speak a blessing? Do they bring God's favor to your life? The words you speak about yourself, about your family? Amen? Um, Sometimes it's easier to be kind and speak nicely to others and about others, and we can be harder on ourselves. You know, we're less disciplined when it comes to ourselves. You know, I I heard Brother Copeland tell this story. He got up in the middle of the night. And I think he was going to the, I don't know what he was doing. He got up in the middle of the night and he bumped his pinky toe against like a piece of furniture that he had. And he said, I want, you know, you know, and most people would say a curse word. But not Brother Copeland, because he goes, I'm not going to curse my life. I'm not going to curse, you know, he's not going to curse his toe. Because when you say, that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. You're cursing your own life. You're causing your life to go in that direction. 
But instead, I, I don't know what he said. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And he prayed over it. I guess it was all swollen and ended up being broken. I can't remember if he ended up ministering, but, you know, he, God healed it supernaturally. But I'll never forget that story because we've all bumped a pinky toe up against something, right? Or an, an elbow or something. We're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm like, oh, thank you. But what are the first words that come out of your mouth? What are the first words that come out of your mouth when you're angry, when you're upset, you bump yourself, because if it's the wrong words, then that's what your life is full of. But no condemnation, because God's given us his word, we can change that. We can add discipline, we can put on the new man. Maybe the old you used to do that, but not the new you anymore. Amen, because you've got the help of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you to help, to help you, amen? Um, we just read where it says um, in Ephesians 4.29, if we could go back to that, Giselle, in the Amplified, it says, uh, let the words come out of your mouth only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others as is fitting to the need and the occasion. Amen? Not everything we say is fitting to the need and occasion. They may be good words and beneficial, but they should be fitting. For example, what is the need? Are the words that the answer, are the words, let me write, are these words the answer to the need you're facing? For example, let's say you need healing, right? Um, are you going to say, well, Jesus loves me. Thank you, Father, Jesus loves me. Those are good words, but are they fitting to the need? No. No. They're not fitting to the need. Instead, you're going to say, I thank you, Father, that I'm strong in the Lord. My body's healed by his stripes. I was healed. If I was, then I am. And you start declaring healing, right? If you want these words to be beneficial to you, to bring God's grace to your life, they have to be fitting to the need. We can't just say anything we want like, God is good. Oh, thank you. God is good. What is the need? Find a scripture that meets that need. If it has to do with your family, find a scripture that meets that need. I say, I thank you for the blessing of the Lord on, on me and my family. It makes us rich, and he adds no sorrow. And I say, rich in every arena, in my relationships, in my finances, in my body. That's the blessing of the Lord on my house. Amen. So you take his word that is fitting to your need, and we all have different needs, right? Um. What about the occasion? The words we say should be fitting to the occasion. Occasion is a particular time. Are your words fitting to that particular time, right? So let's say, um, you know, you're at work. You get discouraged. You're tempted to cry or, you know, tempted to get upset. I don't know. We've all had those moments, you know, with your employer. Um, So all of a sudden you're like, you know, I don't know. You just start well, praise the Lord. God is so good. I thank you that God's working on my behalf. It doesn't matter. You know, now see, those may be the right words, but they're not fitting to the occasion. Right? You're at work. You're at work. Right? So your words should be fitting to the need and to the occasion. Right? Have you ever thought of telling somebody something and for some reason you thought that you were their counselor or their advisor? And so decided to give them advice. I've been there, done that. Not good, not a good thing. And like the timing's off. You know. Yeah. You know, like 
I don't know, have you ever been to like a birthday party, a celebration, and all of a sudden families start talking about things that are not fitting to the occasion? Right? Right? We've all had those moments. What are you doing? This is a party. We're supposed to be having fun. You know, and they start talking about something serious. Right? So our words, they'll be beneficial. They'll build our lives, edify ourselves and others when they're fitting to the need and fitting to the occasion. It's our job as believers, even when you're in church, as I was talking about earlier, it's important to be sensitive to your church family. Maybe God does, maybe there is something that God's put on your heart to say or to do or whatever, um, but it should be fitting to the the need and the occasion. Be sensitive. You know, maybe someone's having a hard time and they're crying. Buck it up, sister. You know, the joy of the Lord, your strength. You know, hey, well, that might be <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, you need to be sensitive. Like that is the word. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy the Lord, your strength, you know, what's wrong with you? You know, but right. you're saying something out of your head yeah. Yeah. because, you know, the joy of the Lord should be your strength. But be sensitive to God's leadings, his promptings. You know, sometimes people just need a hug. Say, I love you. God loves you. Mm-hmm. you know, everything's going to be all right. You're of the household of faith. Yeah. I've got your back. Yeah. I'm in agreement with you, and I'm not letting go until we see this thing turn. Yeah. There are right words yes, that are fitting. Amen? Yes. Um, so we want to be sensitive. Amen? Proverbs 25:11 in the Amplified says this, A word fitly spoken and in due season is like apples of gold in settings of silver. This is one of my favorite verses. I learned it when I was little, and I just, you would see a picture. There's an apple of gold in a picture of silver, and I just never forgot. A word fitly spoken. We can have words that are helping other people, that are helping our church family, that are helping your own personal family. You know, there's some of you... If your if your family isn't in a word and you know I don't know what kind of church there but your words you could have answers in you probably more than likely if you've been here for two or three years you have answers in your mouth that they don't know yeah. about you have answers in your mouth that they may need help and a word fitly spoken if you're tuned into the Holy Spirit when He prompts you a lot of times to encourage to exhort. A scripture comes to you for them. You're, they come to your face. All of a sudden, a, you start praying in the Holy Ghost. A scripture rises up. Yeah. Like, I'm going to text them this scripture. I'm going to encourage them today. Yeah. That's what family does. That's what I do with my sisters, and they do the same thing with me. Oh, I saw this. you got to watch this. This is such an encouraging word. We ought to be doing that with our church family, too, but being sensitive to the need and the occasion. Amen? Because then there's a blessing, and God's grace is released. To the hearer, do you know what God's grace is? It's his divine help and ability to help them. Amen. Amen. We're not here just for ourselves. We're here to help others. Amen. Amen. Uh, Praise God. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Are we getting help? I'm, I'm just... My, our words are so important. Amen. It's important that we edify one another, that we edify ourselves. That we speak the right words 
over our lives, over our family, um, over our finances. Amen. First Thessalonians 5.11 in the Amplified says, Therefore, encourage, admonish, exhort one another, and edify, strengthen, and build up one another. This is Paul. He's saying, build up one another, encourage one another. Who's doing that? You're doing that by giving the right words. Your words will help strengthen. Your words will strengthen you. Oh my gosh, I have to read this story. This is, you know, Bill Winston talked about the fourth dimension. Oh man, this book. I started reading this book. I'm like, give me that book right there. I'm going to get it. Actually, Pastor Jan got it for me, but (laughs) we were talking about it. Um, there was, he, you know, P- Dr. Paul Young Cho had the biggest church in Korea, over a million people. Uh, this was before there were mega churches. And anyway, he wrote this book about the fourth dimension, which is really just the dimension of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Things that the natural world, can't, people, they can't figure out how things happen. It's the realm of the spirit. Yeah. We know things are done by the Spirit. Um, But he said, one morning I was eating breakfast with one of Korea's leading neurosurgeons who was telling me about medical findings on the operation of the brain. And he said, Dr. Cho, did you know that the speech center in the brain rules over all the nerves? Uh, And he said, he laughed. Dr. Cho said, I laughed for you. He goes, I've known that for years. He said, how did you know that? He goes, I learned it from Dr. James. Well, he was talking about, you know, um, the book of James. Um, so anyway, he went on to expound this neurosurgeon. He said the speech nerve center had such power over all the body that simply speaking can give one control over his body. He said if someone keeps on saying, I'm going to become weak, then right away all the nerves receive that message and they say, oh, let's prepare to become weak. For we've received instructions from our central communication that we should become weak. They then, in natural sequence, adjust their physical attitudes to weakness. If someone says, well, I have no ability, I can't do this job. Now listen to this. Then right away, all the nerves begin to to declare the same thing. Yes, they say, we received instruction from the central nervous system saying we have no abilities to give up striving, to develop any capacity for capability. We must prepare ourselves to be part of an incapable person. When you say you can't do something, when you say you don't have the ability, your nervous system starts to prepare itself to be part of an incapable person. This is a leading neurosurgeon from Korea. If someone keeps saying, I'm very old, I'm so very old, and I'm tired, and I can't do anything. Then right away, the speech central control responds, giving out orders to that effect. The nerves respond, and they say, yes, we are old. We are ready for the grave. Let's be ready to disintegrate. If someone keeps saying that he is old, that person is soon going to die. The neurosurgeon continued saying, that man should never retire. Once a man retires, he keeps repeating to himself, I am retired. And all the nerves start responding and become less active and ready for a quick death. We've seen that over the years, people that retire. Mm -hmm. Um, He said, um, 
this is this this conversation carried meaning for him because it had to do with the words of the mouth and the spoken word the spoken your words will create yes doesn't the bible say there's a pa- the the um the there's life and death in the power of the tongue yeah. proverbs there's life and death in the power of the tongue um he said people easily adapt to speaking in a negative way listen complaining negativity boy am i poor i've even no money to give to the lord when an opportunity does come for a job with a good salary the nervous system responds i'm not able to be rich because i haven't even received that reverse instruction from my nerve center yet i'm supposed to be poor so i can't accept this job i can't afford to have the money like attracts like and since you act as if you were a poor person you attract poverty. Right. Let me just say that again. Like attracts like. And since you act as if you were a poor person, you attract poverty. This attraction, if it remains consistent, will allow you to permanently dwell in poverty. Um, he went on to say, this neurosurgeon, he said, people should keep saying to themselves, I'm young. I'm able. Isn't that what the Bible says? The Bible says those who wait upon the Lord, he'll renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. Come on, they won't faint. That's in the Bible. The Bible says let the poor say I'm rich. Let the weak say I'm strong. This is biblical. Why? Because your body starts to respond. She said they ought to say I'm young. I'm able. I can do the work of a young person. No matter what my chronological age is, the nerves of that person will then come alive and receive power and strength from the nerve center. Amen. Come on. Because um, we know that your tongue controls your whole body. That's what James talks about. It says your tongue, it's like a rudder. Pastor mentioned it, I believe, last week. It's like a rudder. It's controlling your whole life. That's what we're talking about. It's either building up your life, building up your physical body, or tearing it down. Um, What you speak, you're going to get. What you speak, you're going to get. If you keep on saying you're poor, all of your system conditions itself to attract poverty. You'll feel at home in poverty. You'd rather be poor. But if you keep on saying you're able... You can achieve success, then all of your body will be bridled to success. You would be ready to meet any challenge, ready to conquer it. This is the reason you should never speak in a negative way. See, negativity has no part in the life of a believer. Negativity has, should never, didn't we read at the very, one of the first scriptures that said, no unwholesome thing should ever come out of our mouth. And we're surrounded by negativity. So we really, it's so easy. I mean, we've all probably caught ourselves in it. How did I get here so fast? Because you're around it. You're around people talking negative. And so that's something we have to be on guard of. Because we think, oh, that's normal. That's natural. No, it's not. Not Not for the life of a believer. What you're saying is creating your very life. What you said yesterday is what you probably did. Right? It starts with your thoughts. What you thought, eventually you said, and then you did it, and that's creating your today. It's creating your today. So when the thoughts come, because usually the words, the thoughts come first, then the words come. When the thoughts come, that's where we take the, our words and we answer that specific need. 
We say, oh, no, I'm not poor. My God supplies all my needs according to his riches. Amen. Oh, no, I'm not poor. God's, God sent his son, Jesus. He became poor that I might be rich. Rich in every area. Fully supplied. My family's rich. They're rich in their relationships. They're rich in peace. They're rich in joy. They're rich in finances. Amen. You start speaking and your world will turn. You know, Brother Copeland used to say, you're the prophet of your own life. You're the prophet of your own life. Every time you talk, you're declaring something. You're prophesying. When you talk to your kids, you're prophesying over them. You're, you're, you're prophesying their future. Amen. Oh, my goodness. So good. Before you can be changed, you must change your language. Listen to this. If you do not change your language, you cannot change yourself. The language has to change. How we talk about ourselves. How we think about ourselves. That's why we read our Bibles. That's why we read them out loud. That's why we're reading the books on the book table. We're renewing our minds. What does the word say? Because I'm going to take the, what the word says about me and apply it to my life. You know, there's times, sometimes I don't even, I feel like I don't, I read it. I may or may not understand it fully, <laughs> but I still declare it over my life. And I'll keep on declaring it. And keep on declaring it, and, and pretty soon, yeah. boom, it becomes a revelation. Mm -hmm. Then I know it. Amen. Then I know it. Sometimes you know things in your head, and you can read scriptures, and well, yeah, I know that, but it's not a reality to you. It hasn't become a revelation because, well, pastor said that, so I'm going to say that. Mm -hmm. I heard a minister say that, so I'm going to do that. Instead of taking the word for yourself, taking the books for yourself, underlining, going back, meditating, listening to the last message, reading over your notes from Sunday, from Wednesday. You're taking it and you're applying it. You're meditating on it. Then you start declaring it. And when you start declaring it over and over and over and over, your body responds because there's power in the word of God. Your finances respond. Why? Because there's power in God's words. God's words produce. Yes. They produce life. Amen. So it's so important for us. To, to be mindful of the words we use. Yeah. If you want to see your children changed, you must first teach them to use the proper language. If you want to see rebellious and irresponsible youth changed, you must teach them a new language. Amen. Speak the word of faith and feed your nervous system with a vocabulary of constructive, productive, and victorious words. Don't speak defeat. Complaining is defeat. Complaining is defeat. Speak victory. The Bible says declare the end from the beginning. Don't talk about what you see. Talk about what does the word say about this situation. Well, the word says this, Pastor, but I, oh, I don't care. It doesn't matter. God's word's working. Whether I see it work or not, it's working in my body. Whether I see it work or not, it's working in my finances. The angels are going and causing that house to come, causing that job to come, causing me to have the wisdom I need so I know exactly what to do. God's word is working. You keep declaring it. I don't care if the situation looks worse. 
And then you thank God. I thank you, Father, that your power is working. You stay positive. When someone says, oh, I don't know how they do it. You know, how, how are you going to do that? The greater one lives in me. I, I have answers. You can say, I have answers. I have an- you have answers on the inside of you. You've got the Bible. You've got the Word. I have answers. I always, I always know what to do. I always know what to do. I always know how to answer. I've got the Holy Ghost on the inside of me. You always have answers. Say it. Stop saying. Stop saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get this sale. I don't know how to make this happen. No, I always know what to do. I always know what to say. I always know how to walk that out. God shows me. The Holy Ghost is on the inside of me. You're speaking words of faith. You're speaking words of faith. Amen. You speak those words and you keep repeating them. They'll go to work in your body. They'll go to work in that situation. Amen. You never give up speaking the right words. And we avoid being negative. We avoid complaining. Let's close with this. I love this verse. Isaiah 51, 16. Praise God. I skipped... I skipped... Um, Quite a few, but let me just um, write this verse down. Ephesians 5, 4. I'm going to read it to you while you're going to Isaiah 51, 16. But Ephesians 5, 4 in the Amplified says, Let there be no filthiness, obscenity, indecency, or foolish and sinful, corrupt talk, coarse jesting, which are not fitting or becoming, but instead voice your thankfulness to God. That's our answer right there. Be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful you woke up. Be thankful that you're breathing. Be thankful that you have answers. Be thankful that you have his word. Be thankful that you have two legs and can walk. Seriously, be thankful. This is the answer. This generation. Praise the Lord. is very, I want to say, Mm me-minded. If I'm not happy, then I'll make myself happy, do whatever I want to make my... They're very, uh, what's that word? Me-minded. What is it? Selfish. What is it? Entitled. Thank you. Very entitled. Go through the, go through the fast food. It's not fast enough. What took you so long? Entitled complaining have to wait in line to get through stuck in traffic entitled what about the two or three hundred other cars in the traffic jam with you you're the one complaining you ought not you're gonna stay there longer watch all the other cars pass by but see they're bad habits and you hear the complaining all the time that's why it's very important what you listen to. If it's negative, turn it off. I don't care if it's a Christian song. If it's negative, there's one song. Take this out of my mind. He gives and he takes away. Uh Click. Ain't listening to that junk. God doesn't take away. He doesn't kill people. That's religion that says that. Job said that because he didn't know. He didn't know that there was a devil. Yeah, he opened himself up. Yeah. You got to be careful. 
what you listen to. I remember one time I heard I was in, in this place and I kept hearing things and I thought, it's fine. I know God. I have faith in my heart. I was raised a Christian. No big deal. I can take this. And I was going and going and going. And one day, I think something happened with the kids it's when they were little. And all of a sudden, this thought came into my heart, my mind. Well, God doesn't want you to be healed. It was something like that. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because I had never had that thought before. But because most of what they were saying was good, but there was still a little bit of unbelief. A little bit of unbelief. And I said, okay, I'm done. I'm done. No matter how much I love all of you, I cannot afford to go down that path. Right. I can't afford it. I got kids I have to believe God for, and if I'm in doubt, then I'm not in faith. That's right. I can't have negative stuff going in. What do they say? It's a little leaven. A little, yeah, the Bible says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. What does that mean? It means it's going to affect everything. Right. Everything. everything. And that is, that's negativity. You know, they don't know, and that's okay. And I'm not, I wasn't judging them, but I knew for myself, I can't afford to hear that. And I thought, I'm good. I'm fine. I know the word. It doesn't matter if they say a little bit of this and of that. But when that happened after months of being there, the Lord arrested me. That is not okay. That is not, I have to stay in faith, right? I love this last scripture. Uh, Isaiah 51, 16, are you there? This is the New King James. I've put my words in your mouth. I've covered you with the shadow of my hand. This is the Lord talking. That I may plant the heavens. He said, I put my words in your mouth. I've covered you with the shadow of my hand. That I may plant the heavens. It's our job to bring heaven to earth. There's no negativity in heaven. There's no complaining in heaven. There's no unbelief in heaven. There's no doubt in heaven. There's no grumbling, fault-finding, critical spirits in heaven. And it's our job to put God's words in our mouth. God's words. You can't have both. He said that I may plant the heavens. You're bringing the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, to your home through your words. You're bringing the kingdom of God, the kingdom, everything that's in heaven's flow to your place of work with the right words. To your children, to your marriage with the right words, to your finances, to your body. You're you're planting the heavens. You're bringing the flow of heaven wherever you go with his words in your mouth. Why? They're building your future. They're building your present. They're building your life. Amen. So it's so important. It's so important that we remember what are we saying? What are we saying to others? What are we saying to ourselves? What are we thinking? If we're thinking the wrong thoughts, be quick to answer. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. If you don't have this book, get it. It's a good book. It's called Discovering a New World of Answered Prayer, The Fourth Dimension by Paul Young Cho. Uh, I don't know if you can find it anymore. The first copyright was 1979, but it is just an amazing book. It's been a blessing uh, to me. It'll bless you if you want another book to read. But um, let's stand up and we're just going to pray. Father, we just thank you. 
for the word tonight, Lord. We thank you, Father. Yes, Lord, we say yes to you. We say yes to your ways. We thank you, Father, that your power is moving. We declare it. We thank you, Father. We declare your power is moving in our family. Yes, Lord, and even in those marriages. Yes, no, no, no stress on the marriage. No stress. No strife. We say no to that. We say no. Watch the words of your mouth towards your spouse. Watch the thoughts uh, that you have towards them. It's very important that, uh, yeah, it's very important. Let the Holy Ghost deal with them about that. One thing I've learned as a wife, and if you could learn it sooner, it'll bless you, than I have, but we're not the Holy Ghost. We're not the Holy Ghost to our husbands uh, or our adult children. Yeah, we're not the Holy Ghost. God, the Holy Spirit. One time the Lord told me this. He said, why don't you be quiet so I can talk to him? You're so busy talking, he can never hear me. Yeah. And what happens is we get frustrated. We take on the care of things. And then we feel like we need to fix it. But we aren't the fixer. You know, God is at work. And you just start declaring, God, you're working in this situation. I'll tell you one thing he'll do. He'll start showing you the areas you need to change. (laughs) He'll start saying, are you praying for them? He'll start showing you the areas. you, And then, you know, God will work it out. Let the Holy Ghost do the work, even even in other areas, whatever areas you're facing. You know, start taking God's word. Get it specific. Find the scripture that's specific to that need and start applying it. Why? Because those words, speak it out of your mouth. I'll tell you one thing. One Proverbs a day. You know they say an apple a day keeps the doctor away? A Proverbs a day will keep the foolishness, yes, and the poverty away. It it was written by the wisest man in all the earth. The richest man, Solomon, King Solomon, wrote the Proverbs. And and the Bible says there will never be anyone as wealthy and wise as he. Ever. Before him or after him. Yes. That's amazing. That's amazing. So I think it's a good chapter Today's uh, August 30th. Go home and read Proverbs 30. It talks a lot about the words of your mouth, just how to be wise. How to be, the Bible says a wise woman builds her house. Yeah. But the, the, the foolish one tears it down. I'll tell you, most of the time it's with the words. Yeah. That comes from wrong thinking. So let's get our words right, amen? Why? Because we want to build the right life. Yeah. Right? The right, isn't that what we learned when we watched Brother Keith when he was singing that song, I'm Free? He said, even in the middle of the, the, the one that was addicted to hard drugs, right. he said, he would take the, he said, I just started saying, I'm free. Uh-huh. I'm free in the middle, right in the middle. I'm free. I'm free. Thank you, Lord. I'm free. I'm free. Amen. And he got free. What, what was it? His words. Yeah. There's power in your words.